with my daughter, it was just sort of I would give her a look. Like a lot of times with, with black oh, parents, like the look, you, like you give you squint the eyes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You, not, you 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 lean your head down, mm-hmm. and you like you lift your eyebrow, yeah. like, and that's <laughs> that's all you need. I remember getting the look, and the other day I caught myself giving the look. I mean, that's probably the most powerful thing you have as a parent, and I mean bar none. I mean the look. The look. It's amazing, isn't it? I remember once um, there was this really complicated crossing of the road, and, and there was always cars coming from everywhere, even though they should stop. And so we would cross that road, and I would always have to kind of tell the car to stop with my eyes. And so at one point we did that, and my son went, wow. You gave that driver the mom look. You have to. You have yeah. to. Like, no, you really don't. You don't mess with moms. Like when they're yeah. protecting their kids, like they are the most ferocious animal, probably. Welcome to our podcast, Mom Jokes. I'm Lalita. I'm a queer mom of a 13-year-old, a single mom by choice, and a comic. And I'm Smita, I'm a mom of two, and I met Lalita through stand-up. And we decided to start this podcast because we were wondering, how are other parents managing during the pandemic? Are they finding it as difficult as we do? So we decided to ask some people that we really like talking to, other comics. By the way, if you're looking for actual tips and advice on parenting, please listen to a different podcast. (laughs) Today we're talking to an amazing comic, a person I really love, Corinda Dobbins. She's also a mom, as always, a stand-up comic, and a screenwriter. Let's start off with a clip from one of her pre-pandemic shows. <laughs> My daughter's in college, so uh, it's time for me to focus on me. Uh, I just had my first film role. <laughs> Pursue my dreams. Um, I played a veterinarian, which is kind of weird because I don't like pets. <laughs> Actually, I was putting the pet down, so it's probably the perfect role for me. <laughs> Actually, it's not, it's not that I don't like pets. It's like, I don't like what people turn pets into, right? I walked into a pizzeria the other day. There was a couple sitting at the very first table with a pair of Pomeranians and a doggy stroller fully clothed. I was like, what's going on? They have legs. Uh-huh. Because people always tell me that their pets are like their kids, right? And I know me as a parent, my job is to get my daughter ready to go out into the world and fend for herself. What are you doing? <laughs> Let's just say you die, right? Your pet has to go out into the world, fend for himself. He comes up against a pit bull at a dumpster, got to fight over a piece of steak. He's like, wait a minute, let me get this polar fleece off and I'm going to whip your ass. He's going to die is what I'm saying. Don't do that to your pet, you know <laughs> Boy, that, that joke went over well. It's always tricky with white people. You guys are amazing. <laughs> you rode along with that one. I'm so, I'm so surprised. I have to ask, you got a job in a film? I did, actually. Um, and it was so crazy because someone had seen my stand-up and they were creating a film and they thought that I would be good for a part in the film that they were about to start shooting. So, you know, I did a little reel and they liked it and bam, I'm in the movie. So have you always wanted to be an actress or was this something that just kind of happened? Never, I never wanted to act. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I'm all about taking advantage of opportunities that 
lay themselves in front of you. I mean, who am I to say no? Somebody says, I think you should be in my film. That's right. You are not a person <laughs> to say no. Yeah. Say yes. Exactly. I'm like, I can't act, but let's do it. Wow. So and lots of identities, Corinda, where does being a mom come into all of this? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's probably number one, right? That's the answer mm-hmm. I have to give. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, among friends and um, all our listeners. <laughs> the union will come for you if you don't say that. <laughs> you know, mom is always, you know, your hardest job, as they say. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be number yeah. one. Yeah, any other job, like no one's banging on the door when you're trying to use the toilet. Um, but <laughs> Right, and no yeah. one's calling you at work, uh, interrupting you for, because uh, we've run out of condiments at the house. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you know the ages of our kids. So mine are four and two. Oh. Mine's 13. I, I'm, my daughter's in college, so I'm way oh. that path. We want to know imagine. everything. Tell you me, really don't. You really don't. <laughs> tell me that the 13th, when does it stop? When does he become human to me again? Please. <laughs> I don't know. I like to tell everybody, like, my daughter, like, was the sweetest child from, let me see, what grade did it really go off the rails? Um, high school was when we really hit, like, you know, those four years. I was like, somebody's going to die. I don't know which one of us is going to be. <laughs> But somebody's, it's it's gonna end. (laughs) He's still in middle school and I already feel uh, this is, oh my God, it's gonna- Middle school is when the peer pressure stuff kicks in because Mm -hmm. in middle school, like before middle school, like my daughter would just wear whatever was cute to her. And middle school was when you really, like they have to have certain brand names and if they don't, you know, they get teased and, you know, all that stuff. So it, it becomes a really different ball game. It's because it's puberty, right? Like that's when you become so self-aware, so self-conscious. You know, my friend, his kids are middle school and they have an online puberty class. What did you teach in that class? I, know. I, I hope it's just, hey, don't be embarrassed. Because um, that should be like the whole syllabus, basically. Like, um, I, I, would, I would like to see that syllabus because I needed that <laughs> when I was hitting puberty. <laughs> You know what? I mean, I also I'm like, what about the person who's a puberty teacher who's like, hello, my subject is puberty. I I just feel I would like, never. I would that would be like a a party like dropper. Like if you just like, well, what do you do? Well, I teach puberty. I'm like what? I'll, I'm I'll, like, I'll be like, I'll be over here by the shrimp. I don't want to talk to you, sir. My immediate reaction when I heard it was, don't they say like those who can't do teach? That would, <laughs> That would be bad. <laughs> what does this mean about a puberty teacher? Like, what kind of training do you get for that? I'm, I'm very interested in this now. So how, how's your relationship with your daughter now, now that you didn't kill her? Oh, it's great now. After high school, I mean, it, I mean it's much better because all that tension is gone of, you know, did you do your homework? Did you go to class? Did you turn in your assignments? Did you you know, do all these things. Are you still in this club? Are you, when is the parent-teacher conference? I mean, it's just everything that you do with your kid during high school, almost everything is just writing them about something they have to complete. When we're done with the podcast, could you just edit out all the things Corinda just said and send that to me like it's its own edit? Because I'm just going to put that on play in the living room (laughs) because that's literally all I ever say anymore. It's ridiculous. <laughs> right. It's, that's it. That's the, that's the, that's it. That's, that's my set. That's my parenting. <laughs> <class. laughs> 
yeah. mean, this, this checks out because I do this thing where I informally ask parents with older kids. I'm like, what was the toughest age? I kind of thought everyone would say two, but no, everyone's like 13. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once they hit the teens, that's definitely that's definitely the toughest. Yeah. And I also feel like it maybe was karma catching up to me because my daughter was so easy, like mm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. you know the sweetest kid so i mean it was just it it was bound to happen are you sure you didn't just block out those years i was just wondering because we do that we do that i feel like people forget how bad labor was and stuff like we block it out right (laughs) oh i didn't have i didn't have my labor was literally like 20 minutes okay so and i've heard from a lot of my friends they tell me not to talk about my labor so i don't okay Uh, I might be, it's, I might become one of those friends. It's like, we don't want to hear about that. You know, <laughs> you know, if you have just the one child, you have no comparison material. So I mean, he's not vaping, you know, he never threatens violence. He doesn't tell me he hates me. All those things that you hear that got to touch some wood desperately right here. Yeah. This is yeah. something from Ikea. I don't well, my daughter, my daughter is black, so she would never tell me she hates me. I mean, when I hear that kind of stuff, I'm like, where? <laughs> Like that's the I don't know if that's a cultural thing, but like generally like black kids, like they don't, you know, calling their moms by the first name and cussing them out and slamming doors. Like I'm like, what is happening? Like I don't like if you slammed a door in a black house, like the door would be gone. Like it would just be off. You would never be able to slam a door. Yeah. It's like, I hate you, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very curious about the cultural side of things because I'm definitely uh, a very white mom and uh, it's <laughs> I don't know what the word is but but uh, too soft for sure <laughs> with my daughter it was just sort of I would give her a look like a lot of times with, with black oh, parents like the look you, like you give you squint the eyes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You, not, you, you you lean your head down mm-hmm. and you like you lift your eyebrow yeah. like, and that's that's all you need I don't know. I feel like that might be a mom thing. Like you give the look, uh, you save it so that it's not used too much and like gets cheapened. But like, I remember getting the look and the other day I caught myself giving the look. I mean, that's probably the most powerful thing you have as a parent. (laughs) And I mean, bar none. I mean, the look. The look. It's amazing, isn't it? I remember once um, there was this really complicated crossing of the road and and there was always cars coming from everywhere even though they should stop and so we would cross that road and I would always have to kind of tell the car to stop with my eyes and so at one point we did that and my son went wow you gave that driver the mom look I know you really don't you don't mess with moms like when they're yeah. protecting their kids like they are the most ferocious animal probably I used to count to three. Did you ever do that? You know, when you go, okay, I, that's, you know, I'm done asking one, two. And then somebody who was visiting and observed me do that <laughs> asked me, what happens at three? And I'm like, we never, we've never gotten there. You know, mm-hmm. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. idea. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I will say to him now, I'm, I'm about to lose it. I usually do drop the F-bomb in there because by the time I say that, I'm so close to losing it. Mm. And when's then the, he does the last time you lost it? Oh, God. I'm sure it was this week. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'm always the most upset with myself because I'll say, I need you to do X. And he'll say, I do it in five minutes. And I say, okay. And I walk away knowing in five minutes, it will not have happened. In fact, I'm going to have to yell before it happens. Why do I always let that happen? 
it just I have to write the consequences down because I forget within half an hour I will have forgotten what I put down as yeah. a consequence. I mean, we, we just hold so just... much in our brains as parents. Like we can't remember yeah. all the punishments that we dish out. Yep. We got like work and like bills and all kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Comedy, you know. Yeah, comedy. trying to be a person. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know I find myself saying really strange phrases where I was like, who have I become? Like the other day I was like shouting, no more laughing and having fun. And I was like, who have I become? You know? And I'm sure you said I would never say that to my kids. <laughs> Probably. I'm just like, this makes no sense. Like I enjoy laughing and having fun. What have I done? Who, who said this is not a hotel? Who said it? Hands up. Uh, every, oh, not yet for me. I think right. I spent five years just saying, close that door. Close that door. <laughs> Right. Close that door. <laughs> I mean, it was different. It was different doors, but it was just close that door. It was the kitchen door. It was the cabinet door. It was the back door. It was the front door. It was the bedroom door. It was just like close the door. <laughs> how do you feel, Smith? You've got all this to look forward to. How are I know. you? How are you feeling? Well, I'm just entering into it, right? Because my four-year-old. Okay, there's some negotiation and this and that. Um, but I was gonna say I'm still in the good peer pressure place where I can be like. Oh, you know, um, Jenny from your class eats all of her lunch. I wonder if you can eat all of your lunch. And, you know, it's, it's still doing that type of stuff. Does it work? Sometimes. Yeah, you know, oh. that stuff still works. Uh, me and my daughter and her dad, we used to play board games all the time. We would play, like, Sorry and Life and Trouble and all those stuff. And, mm -hmm. Fun. and during the game, he would be whispering to me, like, we need to let her win. And I am so competitive. I was like, absolutely not. That is not Absolutely. on the table. <laughs> and as a black child, I cannot condone that because she needs to know how difficult life really is. Like I cannot <laughs> just, yeah. you know, give her the game like that. Like she has to earn it. Yeah. He's like, you're just making that excuse because you don't want to let her win. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that too, but. <laughs> you were doing her a favor. Yeah. I mean, I got to let her know, like, you got to stay on the board. <laughs> You got to do everything you can to win. Like, I don't care if I'm your mom. You want to beat me. God, that's so interesting because I'm so aware of the fact that I'm raising a white male child. And, and so it's like everything is so seriously stacked in his favor that I feel I need to, you know, unfavor. But that's hard <laughs> because it's, you know, just me and him. And so he's kind of center stage. And Yeah, you got to start thrashing him at Monopoly. Um, you know, destroying him at risk. Right. <laughs> Like when you when you go, I think in Monopoly, what do you get? Like two fifty? What what's the start off amount? I haven't played it for so long. I don't know. Yeah. But whatever it is, just half his amount. Like if it's yeah. 50, you know, just give him one twenty five. You know, what yeah. I mean? like you got to make do, sir. Or maybe if you if we want to replicate life more, I should give him like triple and that say is, that's, that is and all the get out of jail frees. Right. I'm like <laughs> all the cards go to you. Right. Like nobody else has any get out of free jail cards. Um, this is hilarious, but I'm finding this realistic Monopoly game kind of depressing. <laughs> yes, let's move on. <laughs> we were talking a bit about like parents complaining about their kids. Me and Lalita were talking about this the other day, like performative parenting where make it look like it's really difficult and like you know people kind of one up each other on the complaints sometimes have you guys seen that with other parents i have and my, my thing always with that is like i'm not trying to one up somebody to make parenting more difficult like i never want to be in that competition i don't want to be like oh it sucks so hard don't even 
like don't even get pregnant uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know I mean it's hard but it's doable you know yeah. and it's very enjoyable I mean yeah. kids are you know a joy a wonder they're a mess they're horrible they're <laughs> they're all those things rolled yeah. into one and so on, on one day, if you ask me at one o'clock, how's parenting? I could be like, oh my God, this is the <laughs> best thing that ever happened. It's wonderful. At 3.30, I could be like, what the hell are you talking about? I never should have became a parent. This was a bad idea. You know? So, yeah, it really does. And in a, I, in a day, it swings. I don't think there's anything else I do in my life that I can feel so incompetent at when it's not going well. Like everything else, you kind of wing it. Yeah, um, but parenting on these bad days, I was like, you're just let throwing this something. Happen. It's like you know, it's like comedy, you're just throwing something at the wall, and making <laughs> attempts, but you don't know what's gonna stick. You know, yeah. you just have no idea. Yeah, it is. It's just one big long form improv. <laughs> yeah, and... you just like doing some stuff, and you're like, hey, well, that worked. You know, that yeah. didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's why I love this podcast because it's. A, I feel like it's a love letter to two things I really I love. I love being a mom, and I love stand up. This is like. My, this is kind of my happy place, you know, mm -hmm. talking to other people, doing the same stuff. I think one of my proudest moments as a parent, um, I think my daughter was in high school and she posted on Facebook that she was on the bus and this older gentleman that got on the bus and he, a hundred dollar bill fell out of his pocket mm -hmm. and um, she picked it up and she gave it back to him. And she said, you know, there are two kinds of people in this world and, you know, you know, <laughs> kind of bad people and good people. And I want to be a good person. And mm. um, that made me feel so good. But there were so many comments underneath, like, why did you do that? Like, you could have been spinning that on. I felt like I had done something right that my daughter would do that. That is so, it's such a great story and total kudos to you. Yeah. Your daughter did the right thing. And, and right. your daughter knew that. And surely, as far as I'm concerned, you're, you're done. <laughs> Great job. Well done. Yeah, quit while you're ahead. I'm off. I'm That's off. it. Uh, it's, it's, it's over. I'm yeah. finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah I just... mean, that, that made me feel so good. So I just, yeah. that was the thing that I tried to do the most. Just try to let her see the kind of moral choices that I made. And hopefully... I would do that too footsteps. when he was younger. Like I would, you know, stop for people at cross, you know, at a crossing or whatever. But I would then tell him what I was doing because I thought otherwise he's not going to notice that I've just done something you know like thinking about other people not just thinking about where I need to get quickly so I thought right, maybe right. all he's learning from me is boasting <laughs> yeah. <I'm just> <laughs> and I do that, that a lot too I have to admit I was like I, I want credit for what I've done so right? I'm, I'm that yeah, person yeah. get that credit <laughs> why not uh, so do you get to see your daughter much? I mean, I don't know if you're traveling much now. Is anybody traveling now? Actually, she was just here for a week. So I got to see her. I hadn't seen her in months. You know, everybody's been quarantining. So we've yeah. tried to, to follow that. You know, she got tested yeah. before mm -hmm. she came to visit me. So mm -hmm. we made sure that everyone was safe. It's just been hard to get around to places. Yeah. And they drove down because I don't, I don't trust planes right now. I don't want her to fly. Yeah. And, you know, they're throwing all these um, people off the planes who refuse to wear masks. I mean, I, those videos have really been getting me through quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> the ones who get thrown off the plane and then people mm -hmm. like clapping and like yelling, like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's so like, satisfying. 
like them abusing like all of these people who just refuse to acknowledge science. I mean, I, I find some comfort in that. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, I'm with, I'm there with you. And, and so, yeah, for me, like thinking of travel, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm even afraid of like going in the Uber to the, like, that's my biggest worry yeah. actually, because the airports are kind of empty, right? Like yeah. it's been months since I've gone somewhere in someone else's car, basically. You know, sometimes when I'm stuck in traffic, I like to play a game I call interracial family or Uber. <laughs> I can't just look at ethnic diversity and let it go. I want background. Uh, but I think I offended a few people here. Don't worry, I can make that joke. I am in an interracial marriage myself. Except, uh, yeah, I guess. Except when I do drive my husband somewhere, I charge him. Like, so you used to travel for comedy before this, right? Like, before all this I, stuff. Yeah, I used to travel a lot. Like, my frequent flyer miles are, like, taking a real hit from COVID. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have nothing now. Um, so when somebody invites you to uh, to give a show in, I don't know, um, like uh, Dallas, then and you're in LA, so they fly you out there and they put you in a hotel. I mean, is it fancy or are you supposed to slum it with the three other people in the show? <laughs> it just depends. Like I haven't reached that point in my career where everyone flies me out. Some right. people fly me out and put me up. Uh, mm -hmm. But sometimes they're just giving you a flat fee and... Right. You have to try to stay with friends or family so you don't incur extra uh, expenses. So, so Southwest? <laughs> yeah, so Southwest definitely sees a lot of miles for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. The fun fly, that's how all the comedians fly. <laughs> Man, guys, feels good to be back uh, home. I've been doing a little bit of traveling. I was in, uh, I was in Portland for a little while. And I'm sure you guys know, Portland is very... White. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are on top of it. It's very white. It's very Caucasian. Uh, <laughs> I landed in Portland, I jumped into an Uber. Uh, my Uber driver felt the need to point out to me that we were turning onto Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. <laughs> he was basically saying to me, this is the blackest thing we have here, man. Please enjoy it. I'm gonna drive real slow so you can see everything, okay? I was like, well, don't stop there. Like, do you have like a Frederick Douglass Way or a Rosa Parks daycare center you want to drive me by? Cause I'm, I don't have any, anywhere to go, you know? And while I was in Portland, um, I always researched the city so I can go see the things that I want to see. Um, I'm very interested in tiny homes. Um, I think I want, I think I want one. Uh, Portland has a little tiny house cul-de-sac. I was like, I want to see it. Uh, it was great. It was fantastic. Tiny homes, they have a lot of stuff. You know, clever storage. Um, you know, very small price, very small square footage. But the one thing that they don't have that I really need uh, is a security system. Because if you think about it, if you have tiny homes, eventually you're going to have tiny home burglaries. And that's a very small space. <laughs> Which means you're going to have to fight, basically. <laughs> you're going to have to... Well, first, you got to climb down off of that loft and put that Murphy bed up. All right. And then you got to tell the, like, I'll be down in a minute. Just, we're going to get to it. Just hold on. I got to climb down these stairs. It's very narrow. Don't grab me. Don't grab me. 
And that fight's gonna be weird because everything in your house turns into something else. <laughs> right? You're gonna be wrestling like you throw each other onto that ottoman that turns into a chase lounge that turns into a dining room set. <laughs> You'll think your best bet is to back them into the kitchen because everything in there is hard, right? You slam his forehead on that granite countertop, it flips over and turns into a hot plate, just burn the skin <laughs> off his forehead. I'm like, get out of my tiny house. <laughs> I used to live in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a smaller version of Portland. It's, <laughs> it's the same, uh, oh, something racism. I mean, it's not covert because it's not covert at all. Um, but it's so, the, the racism, and of course I don't experience that, but, but uh, what I see around me and what I hear from friends, the, the racism combined with this incredible liberalism and self-congratulatory recycling, pre-striving, oh. chicken keeping, you know, like, and so there's always yeah. this fight, like, we can't be racist, we have chickens. <laughs> I think living in Madison is like living in a Whole Foods, like you're surrounded by white people who think buying organic is somehow going to make up for slavery. <laughs> <laughs> Every Christmas like, I don't go commando in Windsor, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like they have all these things they sort of connect to not being racist that have nothing to do with racism. Exactly. But the thing I love about Portland is that a lot of the material I do is kind of political and, uh, you know, like they get everything. But the moment that you challenge their liberalism, it you can hear a penny drop in that room. And so, of course, you go there, And right? of course, I do. That's my job. <laughs> yes. I, I have to. I have to I, I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm, I'm here to make you laugh, but I also have to challenge, you know, what you think you are. Um, yeah. So, so great. Uh, I love it. I love doing shows there. Uh, but it, it's definitely, um, Portland has a very, very, very long history of not wanting Black people uh, in that city. Oh, <laughs> and... Yeah. Uh, so when I go there, I also, uh, I like to point out the things that I see that are sort of still not quite right. Yeah. Maybe repairs. sometimes you need somebody from out of town to point it out to you. Like maybe you, you're, you missed it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell us about the tiny homes because I live in, obviously not a tiny oh home. Oh my God. But my girlfriend and I, we love tiny homes. I follow a tiny house uh, on Instagram. Uh, I'm like one like, tiny house or it's a tiny house? It, it, it's a tiny hashtag. house. Uh, hashtag. It's like yeah. tiny, tiny homes. I mean, I'm approaching my 40s. I don't own a house. And like, I don't know, recently tiny homes have not seemed like a crazy prospect to me. I'm like, maybe that's the way I do this. I don't know if I could necessarily live in one, but uh, <laughs> I like the idea of a tiny home. I just think, you know, when you're in a relationship, you need like more than like two square feet between you. No. You've uh, got to be able to slam a door. Yeah, you, know? you got to be able to, you know, Stomp hide off. behind a, <laughs> a wall or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I love, I love tiny homes. And, That's uh, a very strange I I, love. <laughs> because there's always like some couples like, oh my God, we're in this 5,000 square foot house and now we're going tiny <laughs> and like the lady's got to get rid of like all of her clothes 
and all of her shoes. She's like, oh, I don't know if I can fit my stuff in this closet. It's like, of course not. You're going from 5,000 square feet to 300. <laughs> what are you talking about? She's like, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> and the guy's like, you just have to get rid of your shoes. <laughs> That's so satisfying to see. Like It is. And it's almost like a burden is lifted off of them. I moved from Detroit to Oakland. I had a whole house full of stuff. I, I came out here with a suitcase full of clothes. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, this is a clean slate. You know, my daughter and I were starting over. I have one question for you, Corinda. How did you come to stand up? Uh, I had a friend who asked me to do an open mic. Um, and in the back of my head, I was like, uh, I don't know if I should have said yes to that. <laughs> but I wrote for about a month. And then um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this open mic. I'm going to bomb. And people are going to stop asking me to do open mics. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but I went and uh, I didn't bomb. I did pretty well. And you so killed? I, was like, I did. I was like, uh, let me see where this can take me. But of course, the next time I totally ate it. Like I oh, yeah, bombed yeah, yeah. so hard. But that, I love you know, that. But once you get the hook in you, it's mm-hmm. hard to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you've had a taste of how good it can yes, be. Yes. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's like an addiction. I, yeah. Many comics say that, you know, it's like yeah. a drug. Yeah, I, I, I like to say like, this is what I do to get validation from strangers, except I have self-esteem. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people get that because a lot of people assume that if you're a stand-up comic, you know, your self-esteem is in the toilet and that, you know, you don't think a lot of yourself. And I'm like, oh, contraire, like yeah. so many comics who are not good think the world of themselves. So that's <laughs> not, that is not true at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, were you a mom already by the time you started this? Yes, absolutely. My oh. daughter was in high school when I started. Oh. And wow. she hated, she hated um, oh, yeah. hearing jokes about uh, herself. But that was my therapy. Like, yes. That's how I got through it. You know, yes. she didn't understand. I'm like, me telling jokes about you on stage makes me a much nicer mother uh, when I come home. Because I got to vent. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Better no, you than should, you. You really should be you really should be pushing me to tell jokes about what's going on in our lives. I love that. I don't know. Do you have any advice for like other moms out there? Do I have any advice? I know it's such um, a lame question. I apologize for asking it already. I would just say that do your best. You know, moms are always so hard on themselves about what they didn't do right. Yes. Uh, what they can't do right. Um, that's the only advice that I have. But. So do your best and then tell jokes about the kids on stage. And then we, yeah. <laughs> and you'll make it through. Just become a stand-up comic. Yes. 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 Yeah. Mm. It's one way to get people to listen. Doesn't matter. As long as you get to speak your piece. Thank you so much for joining us today, Corinda. It was really lovely. Super. Thank you so much for having me. I had, I had a lot of fun. And I... I appreciate uh, you guys having this podcast about moms. I mean, it's rough and we need to laugh about it so we, we, can, so we can make it through. We really do. You can follow all of us on social media. Corinda, where can we find you? I'm Corinda Dobbins on all social media platforms. I didn't get like witty or anything tricky with the names. It's just uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Lalita, where can we find you? I'm Lalita D Comedy and D is D-double-E, Lalita D Comedy on all the platforms. And you can find me, Smitha, on Twitter at Almost Favorite. 